Well, good afternoon, everyone. The H1B Guy here. And today, the H1B Guy Live, August 3rd, 2022. Today, I'm going to cover more second lottery speculation, the impact of the H1B visa backlog, and taking your questions and comments. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also wanted to mention the H1B Guy offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. You can book an appointment directly with me via the h1bguy.com. Today's live stream is brought to you by Syndesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain, by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process, and by Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional facing U.S. work visa-related challenges? Don't leave your fate up to chance. Our partner Mob Squad has a solution. Join the squad. Well, it's a little after 3 p.m. Eastern time, and I know a lot of you have joined here this afternoon because you are anxious to find out if or when a second H-1B lottery is going to occur. Um, I do want to say that I appreciate everyone who's taken time uh, to check out uh, the second H-1B lottery for fiscal year 2023. Uh, as well as those of you who checked out the live stream that I posted uh, last Wednesday on July the 27th, 2022, where we talked about the possibility of uh, a second lottery as well. Uh, of course, we can go all the way back to the beginning, uh, end of March, beginning of April, uh, and where I've been, you know, kind of speculating around the idea that a second lottery is likely to occur, uh, even when the results came out that we had over 483,000 registrations um, and subsequently USCIS selecting 127,000 plus names, of course, for 87,000 available H-1B visas. Um, for fiscal year 2023. And so what that creates is a lot of demand. Uh, demand meaning 350,000 plus registrations or names submitted by employers uh, into the electronic portal who are anxiously awaiting um, the possibility of uh, uh, a second lottery being announced. For those of you who checked out um, that video that I posted back in, in, in early July, um, where I talked about the possibility of, of a second H-1B lottery, uh, the thing that, that I, I stated, and, and I've been on, on record, you know, going back again, end of March, beginning of April, uh, where I talked about, I, I think sometime between July 22nd, which is absolutely come and gone, and August 5th, uh, which is really, you know, 48 hours or so away. Um, of course, you know, we can go back and, and look at some of the previous evidence. You know, if we look at, at fiscal year 2021, um, where the first second lottery was held on August the 14th. Um, we can go back and look at July 28th of last year when the second lottery was held for fiscal year 2023. And that leads us to where we are currently, which is August 3rd, 2022. And the deadline of, of June 30th now is, is well over a month away, June 30th, or a month uh, you know, prior, uh, June 30th, meaning the deadline for which paper applications needed to be received or submitted uh, with a tracking number. Um, by a petitioning employer, uh, so the petitioner, technically. Um, so where are we? Where do we stand? And I know a lot of you have reached out and said, you know, I'm still waiting on, on receipt. 
Uh, some of you have let me know that that you know checks have been cashed, but you still haven't re been receipted. And what I would tell you is that those numbers are counted against, right? Uh, USCIS was on record when they selected that 127,000 plus of stating that they expected uh, somewhere around a 66% application rate. Uh, for those of you who, who joined me last week, know and, and kind of also checked out the video that I've been alluding to, know that, uh, you know, I'm saying that I expect somewhere between you know, 58 to 60% application rate. So what does that mean? Well, I, I think it means that there is likely to be somewhere between 8,000 um, to maybe 12,000 H-1B visas still available that will need to be allocated for fiscal year 2023. So that means that there is still a very high likelihood of a second H-1B lottery um, that could occur uh, sometime um, coming up in the next few days. Uh, I've also heard some some chatter and the possibility that it, it could possibly be pushed out another week. That That's not me hedging my bets or anything. That's just me informing you that, that I'm hearing August 5th still possible. I've also heard some, some rumors of August 12th. And so what we do know is historically, we look at the second lotteries that have been held, the third lottery that was held. Um, and they've occurred on Fridays with notifications going out on Fridays and, and even Saturdays um, to the, the petitioners or to their legal counsels. Um, so let's let's go back and, and look at what that means. Well, that means that um, for those cases that, that have not been receded, but maybe the, the, the checks have been cashed, what does that mean? Are they counted against the number? And my answer is yes, most likely they are. Um, they're counted against the number because we can um, we can go and, and look and, and see that 97, 95 to 97% uh, approval percentage uh, for initial H-1B filings, initial meaning new lottery, new initial filings. Um, so I, I think that we're starting to see now um, the anxiety building for those of you waiting um, of course, same for me, right? Of course, I want to be right. Um, of course, I'd love to bring these rumors to you. And I love to do this speculation. Uh, many of you have called me bold in, in many of my predictions, not just for the lottery, but but also for uh, the visa bulls. And, and yes, I mean, that's one of the things that, that I strive to be is, is bold. I'd also like to be accurate. And so when I come out with this information, um, it's based on some historical evidence. It's based on some sources that I have. Uh, it's based on conversations that I have with other industry experts and individuals in the know. And so, you know, with that being said, I still do believe, right, as of this very moment, that, that the possibility for a second selection is highly likely. I believe that it's going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that... Um, there's going to be 25,000 that are going to be selected far from that. Uh, we, we can go back and, you know, 3% odds is what I talked about in, in that video um, that I posted in, in mid July. Those are extremely low odds, extremely low odds. And so, you know, that, that lends itself right to, um, to create some of this hysteria. A lot of it has to do with still individuals waiting on receipts, the one piece of advice that I do want to give some of you that are telling me that I'm waiting on a receipt um, is I would go back and, and I would request from your employer or from their legal counsel uh, to provide you uh, with a tracking number, whether that's FedEx, USPS, UPS, um, whatever shipping or courier service they use, provide you with a tracking number so that you can confirm delivery to a service center. And if you don't have that and you can't confirm delivery to a service center, you know, as of June 30th, then unfortunately the bad news is, is that the odds are that your petition wasn't submitted by your, your employer or the employer that had your registration selected. Um, so that's the proof that you're looking for. And, and if you have that proof that you know your case, uh, your application was received, delivered to a service center, and you're still waiting on receipt, the next question that I'm asking is, okay, 
was my employer's check cashed, right? And that gives you a little further insight as to your case has been received. Where does it stand as, as it relates to the processing? This also comes back to why, personally, um, premium processing, while it is a significant expense, um, the peace of mind that it offers to you, the individual, when we're talking about initial filings, um, is substantial. And so, you know, this is where I say, look, look, I don't want you to spend more money than you have to. Um, it's very expensive to be an immigrant already here in the U.S., but if you have the means and are, and, and, and are capable of it, um, you know, going forward, let this be a lesson learned that, that I would advise you when we're talking about initial employment, when we're talking about these lottery cases, um, to, to file those in premium. I'm aware of several cases that were filed in mid-June that were filed under premium that have already been receded and received their approval notices. And so it's these regular cases, a lot of which, you know, the, the service centers, the Vermont extremely backed up. Um, I've covered that a few times. We've talked about cases being transferred. But uh, with all of that being said, I, I still believe that sometime, uh, most likely in the next 48 hours, we're going to have an update uh, on the possibility of a sex selection occurring. Um, but you know, again, not to hedge my bet and I'm not trying to sell hope at all here. I'm not, um, this could be complete mirage and USCIS could come out and say that they've reached the, the annual quota. Uh, but I still do believe that, that a second lottery is, is forthcoming. Um, if it were not to occur, uh, this upcoming Friday, Friday, August 5th, I've heard some some possibilities that the 12th could be in play, uh, but I'm just going to go back and and what I've been saying on the record for several months is which sometime between July 22nd and August 5th is is when I believe that, that the possibility of uh, of that lottery um, w was to occur, um, but I've I've not heard any rumors of of selections already occurring. But I, again, you know, go back to I've been. On record saying that, that during this three-week period, um, there's a high possibility uh, that, that a second lottery will, will happen. So I just wanted to thank all of you who have taken time here to, to jump in this live stream. Of course, I know many of you are already dropping your questions and comments in the chat. I definitely want to get to those. So please feel free, drop any questions or comments you have, any updates that maybe you have about your case or your situation. Um, any rumors that maybe you're hearing, I'd love for us as a community to, to come together here today and, and share as much information as we currently have available. Um, so for those of you that uh, that are joining, you know, thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon to, to jump in here to this live stream. For many of you who've been following this channel for a long time, no, this is one of my favorite things that I get to do um, is go out here live, interact with all of you, take your questions and comments, offer my opinion based on my almost 20 years of IT staffing. When, when I say that, it almost doesn't seem real. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm at 18 years now in the business, specifically in agency staffing. For many of you who may be new to this channel, um, I became an immigration and work authorization expert as it relates to employment. Um, and so that's where when you hear me talk about employment based preferences, solving complex work authorization issues, that is my background, that is my expertise. For those of you who may be joining me on this live stream for the first time or, or listening to me talk for the first time, uh, I've been following and working with and submitting applications on behalf of individuals for the H1B lottery now. Um, gosh for over 10 years. Um, so this is a space to which, you know, I do find myself to have a, a pretty definitive opinion on um, and, and believe myself to be, you know, a, a bit of an expert in. And so when I go on record and when I talk about the likelihood of a second lottery happening, it's based on really my, my, my own personal hunch, uh, my gut instinct. And I take that with a lot of other conversations I have with other industry experts um, and other sources that I have to, uh, to, to bring this information to you as, um, as, as real as possible. So we'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, please like this video, 
if you're new here and are not already, please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime I do post new content here to this channel or I go live like I have here today on August 3rd, 2022. If you're looking for ways that you can support the H1B Guy platform, you can do so currently through the super chat function here on YouTube. Or if you're watching or listening to this at a later date, there is also a super thanks function um, that's relatively new to, to YouTube as well. If you like what I do here and you want to help support and uh, bring uh, update and bring better technology to this platform, um, any of those contributions are reinvested back into the productions um, of what we do here on the H1B Guy channel. Uh, so with that being said, I did. I wanted to talk about another topic that I think is very relevant and um, it kind of correlates with this demand on the second H-1B lottery. Um, and, and that was an article that was uh, pretty recently published um, in Vox. It was back actually back on July 13th. Um, and it was written by Miranda Dixon Lewenberg. And if some of you have seen this article, um, you know, I'm just going to kind of give a, a little bit of a, a quick overview and add some color and, and then we'll jump into the, the, the Q&A. Uh, but this article's titled uh, America Has an Innovation Problem. And it says the H-1B visa backlog uh, is making it worse. Um, it starts out by talking about a survey that took place uh, from uh, uh, 2008 data survey between 2008 and 2012. And it, it highlights that 25% of companies across the U.S. were founded by first-generation immigrants um, and that some other research, re research shows that immigrants are more likely than native-born U.S. citizens to register patents. Um, some more data that the article offers that I thought was very interesting is that it says, according to USCIS, there are about 580,000 foreign workers currently on H-1B visas, um, which is a small percentage of the U.S. workforce and overall immigrant population. But they are disproportionately concentrated in STEM, particularly computer-related occupations, often in fields where cutting-edge technologies are being developed. So I think I want to pause here, and I think what's really interesting is, you know, I've seen this anywhere between... 550 to, to 700,000, this number kind of fluctuating over the last few years. Um, but 580,000 foreign workers currently in the U.S. on H-1B visa is interesting if you compare that to the 483,000 plus registrations that occurred for the H-1B lottery. Um, the article then goes on to say, unfortunately, the H-1B process is falling increasingly out of date. Uh, and badly failing to serve its original purpose of turning on the talent tap for top innovative companies. Um, it then emphasizes that the shortfall is a policy problem. Um, and while the U.S. has been you know, a desirable destination for young, highly educated foreign workers uh, seeking their best career opportunities, uh, we're now facing a longstanding shortage of skilled STEM workers and U.S. companies and the overall U.S. economy stand to to benefit. Uh, it also goes on to, to emphasize that the H-1B program was really intended to be a short-term guest worker visa program um, where many skilled foreign professionals who wanted to permanently migrate and settle into the U.S. were supposed to transition onto an immigrant visa um, that offered a route to permanent residency, uh, usually one of the employment-based visas as, as the next option. But when we look at the screen card backlog, right, and I think the thing is here, this number continues to grow. We continue to see, you know, a year ago, we were talking about a million. Six months ago, we were talking about 1.2 million. Now it's stating that approximately 1.4 million H-1B workers uh, are currently waiting in line to apply for permanent residency, even as their visas are tied to their current employer primarily in tech, right, where we see a lot of job changes. Um, but the unintended consequence of the current H-1B visa system per this article um, says that it's really created a massive success uh, for offshore outsourcing companies, mainly based in India, uh, whereas 
outsourcing companies can put in thousands of H-1B petitions for workers they consider to be interchangeable, mainly junior programmers, and profit by sending the applicant to win the lottery to the U.S., um, to work for U.S.-based agencies as, as contractors. And that's absolutely right. Like, we look at 483,000-plus registrations um, we go on to count how many of those registrations are duplicates uh, and how many of those are from what we would call sub-vendors, middlemen, uh, outsourcing companies um, that are doing onshore business. And so um, the article closes out with, I think, some really good points. And it says there are some high-profile examples of U.S. workers being laid off in mass and replaced by agency workers. A number of Different economic data analysis shows that, although certainly not at all, little if any large-scale negative effects on U.S. workers' job opportunities or wages. And we've covered this a good bit, right? The average wage for the H-1B employee now is over $100,000 annually. Um, so there's a lot of different ideas that are being floated out. I covered some of the H-1B reform that is being speculated from the Biden administration starting as soon as September and then working its way into 2003. Um, but really, the focus is about making the annual H-1B cap more flexible and responsive to current conditions. So flexible and responsive, i.e. increases, right? and takes takes into account that overall labor market de demand for specific occupations. When I hear that, I think healthcare workers, nurses, doctors, right? Uh, but m a more rigorous evaluation process would make sure that, that these slots are allocated to the most critical workers. Um, there's also been the discussion of auctioning off kind of a pay for play, um, and also the discussion around a merit-based system, a points-based system similar to, to what they use in, in Canada. So as of right now, the, the article goes on to close out and says the, the foreign-born resident population in the U.S. is at an all-time high with around a million new green cards granted each year, although most are family-sponsored rather than employer-sponsored. And according to a Gallup poll from 2021, the number of people in favor of increasing immigration has exceeded those who want to decrease it for the first time since Gallup began tracking attitudes towards immigration in the 1960s. So let me repeat that again. According to a Gallup poll data from 2021, the number of people in favor of increasing immigration has exceeded those who want to decrease it for the first time since Gallup began tracking attitudes towards immigration since the 1960s. Um, so, wow, it's very interesting um, when we look at, at what this article is, is covering um, and, and really kind of some of the points that it emphasizes. I thought it was a really well-written well article. Uh, it covers uh, information from pro-immigration. It covers some from some of the anti-immigration experts that are out there. Um, and it has a little bit of, of everything in between. It talks about some of the reform, including the Eagle Act um, that that's, you know, recently introduced in, in the Senate. Um, so we're at a, a really interesting time and place right now when we look at demands at an all-time high for the H-1B visa, 483,000 plus registrations. You know, as I've been talking about now um, over the course of, of several live streams, the, that $10 barrier to entry, you know, I think is something that that quite honestly, if we're if we're looking at what what are some changes that we can make to the, the current process? Uh, and, and I would say at a minimum, raising that $10 non-refundable fee to at least 100. Um, but. As I've also speculated, do we do we look at raising it even higher, five hundred to a thousand, and what would that do for the overall registration numbers? I think it would significantly reduce it because what you have is a very low barrier to entry. Petitioners have minimal to lose, and beneficiaries can have as many employers as they want put their name in as a registration as they're capable of of finding. And so, you know, I, I think we're at this point now where really starting now as, as we move into the end of this fiscal year, beginning of fiscal year 2023, um, we're, we're at a point where we've got, 
you know, midterm elections coming up starting in, in the beginning of November. Um, there's going to be a lot of climate changes as it relates to the overall, um, you know, majorities in, in both the House and, and the Senate. Uh, I, I think that there is a high possibility that we could see some some significant H-1B reform coming up, uh, you know, again, in the next probably, you know, three to five years. Um and I'm not just talking about incremental, but I'm talking about pretty significant changes. But I do want to clarify one thing, and and that is this: a lot of folks have have speculated that I'm I'm pro increasing the number of available H-1B visas. Well, yes, but that cannot be done until we address the employment-based green card sponsorship. Uh, and that 7% cap on, on country of origin. So you can't change one without the other. You just, you can't do that. Otherwise, you're going to continue to grow the green card backlog that this article in Vox estimated now at 1.4 million individuals. Um, I saw some other data out there talking about now the current wait time for an individual from India and EB2 is 84 years. Um, it's pretty crazy. The numbers don't lie. There is no doubt about it. it. It is pretty crazy. So with that being said, I just want to ask you again, if you haven't already, please like this video. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Uh, click the bell for notifications so you're notified anytime we go live like we have here today um, at 3 p.m. Eastern on August the 3rd, 2022, or we post new content here to this channel. If you're looking for ways you can support the H1B Guy platform, you could do so currently through the Super Chat function uh, here on YouTube, or if you're watching or listening to this at a later date, there is also a relatively new feature called Super Thanks. Um, if you're listening to this or watching this on the H1B Guy podcast, would like to ask you if you wouldn't mind uh, to leave us a rating. We really appreciate all of your support. I cannot do this without you. Um, thanks to everyone who's found me over the last uh, several weeks. I know a lot of you are relatively new to this platform and just very grateful for your support, uh, your questions, and, and your words of encouragement. So what I want to do now is uh, well, let's go ahead and jump into these questions and comments. I've got about 20 minutes. I um, want to try to get to as many of these as possible. So we're going to start out with Ravi. Ravi says, hi, what are the evidence needed to submit for name mismatch? I-140 RFE from educational certificates. Last name and middle name is in initials versus I-140 beneficiary name, full expanded name. Um, my guess is you may need to get a certified letter or possibly even a notarized letter from your educational institute that validates that that is the appropriate evidence on your certificates. Um, that would be my guess is most likely um, a, a certified letter as well as some sort of notarized letter uh, that states that it's it's the same individual, um, meaning you, you, the, the first name, middle name, initials with, with your, your last name, excuse me, and middle name initials with your first name. It's a great question. It just shows you how complex and detailed sometimes these things are, especially um, for foreign nationals whose names may be shortened, abbreviated, uh, FNU, LNU, right? First name unknown, last name unknown. We see that on passports occasionally. Hey, Vapula, um, when will the second lottery happen? Again, you know, I anytime between now and... Uh, this coming up Friday, uh, but I've also heard some possibilities that it could be as late as August 12th. With the new numbers released as part of lawsuit, does your September prediction change? Um, I've not seen that article, but I would love to listen or read it if you wouldn't mind sharing it. Prediction for EB3 India moving forward. This bulletin, yeah, I was really conservative with this, Abhijit. Um, I, for those of you who hadn't had a chance to check out that video, the H1B Guide Forecast September 2022 Visa Bulletin Employment-Based Predictions. Um, for final action, um, you know, I think I had it moving seven days forward, so February 22nd, 2012. 
Um, and then for dates of filing, I did inch it up a little bit. I just feel like there's going to be some forward movement here um, for both EB2 and EB3. Um, but on the dates of filing for EB3, I had it moving 22 days forward. So again, very minimal movement. Um, I do expect there will be, um, a, excuse me, a few months of movement once we get to the October bulletin. Um, so, you know, if, if we want to look at that and, and you're interested in that, you know, I, I think you're looking at uh, possibly May or June. I, I said June in my looking ahead uh, post. That's for final action. Um, and then I have dates of filing, really not moving that much more, just July. So June or July there. So a few few months forward coming up for, for EB3. Do I think it's hard for non-STEM H-1B petition to get, to get approved? Yes, I do. Um, you know, there are several specialty occupations that qualify, but the evidence that's required and the recruitment involved is what makes it complicated. But when we look at approval percentages for initial employment, I mean, it's very high. I mean, there's only a, a, a 2 to 3% uh, decline percentage. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty high just in terms of the overall initial employment, uh, percentages. Hi, uh, when will there be a second round of lottery process for 2023? Again, uh, anytime between now, uh, and this Friday. And if you're going to give me a little grace, give me another week, I'd say potentially to August 12th. But for the better part of the last four months, I've been saying between July 22nd and August 5th. There are some people who are told by their employer that second lottery results are out. True. I've not heard that, um, but I wouldn't be surprised. Again, as I've said, um, checks are cashed. While some cases haven't been receded, USCIS has a very good idea of the application uh, response percentage. Um, and, and as I've said, you know, they were expecting a 66% uh, application response. And, and I was hearing as of last week that it was around 60%. Um, and that, that they didn't have a complete accurate count, but it was around 60%, which, you know, that leaves several thousand um, H-1B available numbers that, that would still need to be allocated and subsequently the need for a second lottery. Hey, Ramesh, thanks for joining me, man. Really appreciate your support. Hey, Prasad, when will second round going to happen again? You know, kind of a repeat. Um, anytime between now and uh, this Friday, but if you'll give me some grace to say August 12th is still in play until we have final word, um, that's what I would say sometime between now and the next week and a half. Not looking to hedge my bet. I'll stick to my original prediction, which I've been saying for the better part of the last four months uh, between July 22nd and August 5th. Uh, will Nebraska process uh, I visa to be issued in abroad for IOE filing? I'm not sure if Nebraska does that. I know Nebraska and Texas um, have some very specific forms that they process. Um, so I'm sorry, Vinod, I'm not 100% sure on that. Are you asking about the I-129 to be issued abroad for IOE filing? Um, my understanding is that generally those cases are submitted abroad. Um, sometimes Kentucky. Um, so you'll have to, to look into that, but it, you're, that, that case may need to be transferred or deferred to Kentucky as they generally handle most of the abroad processing. Your uh, Abiola says my H-1B petition has been in actively reviewing for more than three months in a processing center that has a processing time of two months on USCIS site. Should I be concerned? Um, always, right? Until you, you have an approval, there's always uh, a, a variable or a percentage that there could be an issue. Um, 
here's where I say, listen, everything I talk about on this channel is merely my opinion. I base that based on employer experience and serving as a liaison between legal um, and employees for on behalf of petitioners. So my best advice to you here is to ask either your employer or your immigration attorney to reach out to their USCIS liaison and see if they can get some clarification. Uh, but it could take, uh, you know, as, as much as six months for your, your case to be approved. And if we think about that, right, I mean, that's well after October 1. So what happens is, is if they do uh, if they do approve your case after October 1, it does become, there is some, some retro where it'll be, it, it, it will move forward, meaning October 1, you wouldn't be counted against. Well, that's a good question. Keep me posted. Sorry that you're going through that. Hey, um, thank you. Appreciate you joining and your support. Hey, Reddy, how are you? Uh, what's the approval rate for this year? Yeah, I've been hearing about 97% on initial. It's really high if we think about it. And since the Biden administration has come over um, and continuing employment, that's been anywhere between 6 to 8%, kind of varying. And initial employment's been, you know, between 3 to 5% denial rates. Uh, so it's been really, really high. So it really is just a matter of, hey, you've got the appropriate evidence. You met the deadline and now you just wait. And that's the anxiety part of it. And that's why, you know, earlier, as I said, I, I always recommend if you're capable and you have the financial means to do so, to ask your employer or the attorney to upgrade your case to premium processing and, and pay the fee. Hey, Tharun. What would be the possible number if there is a second lottery? That is a great question. And I covered that in my video um, that I posted a few weeks ago. And so, you know, what I basically said is that I'm estimating that there would be somewhere between a 58, 60% overall application rate for fiscal year 2023's initial random selection um, that was held back in, in March. So if that were to be the case, we're looking at roughly anywhere between eight to 11,000 H-1Bs that would be remaining for fiscal year 2023. I'm not separating um, the 65,000 and the advanced degree 20,000 pool. I'm just literally lumping them all together and saying anywhere between eight to 11,000, um, I believe is, is what would be possible through. And again, that's like roughly a 3% odds for those 355,000 plus, 56,000 plus that are, uh, that are still remaining. Um, so it's very low odds, unfortunately. Uh, but look, the interest is extremely high. Um, there's no doubt about it. The interest is extremely high here. Hey, uh, Upade, how are you? Um, really appreciate you joining me this live stream here this afternoon. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Um, that ex exactly was the intention of when I launched this channel back on June 29th of 2020, um, is to be your global source for all things H1B, to provide as much uh, real-time information as I can, um, to scour every corner of the internet for articles that I find interesting, uh, for writers that I think do really good work and cover this topic, um, you know, as a whole and, and, and bring awareness to employment-based immigration benefits, uh, specifically the H-1B to green card, right? And everything that has to happen in between that. So thank you very much for those kind words. Vinay says, I have a question regarding lottery-exempt H-1B and GC. If a person is working at a higher research institute, the process for GC application is starting from scratch now. How long does it take? Um, great question. Right now, it's about 18 months to get your perm labor certified and be at a point to where your I-140 is ready for submission. Um, but, you know, 
lottery exempt, non-exempt, it really doesn't matter right now in terms of, of the overall processing. If, if you're looking really any category, EB1, EB2, EB3. Um, but yeah, roughly 18 months is what I would estimate for you. That's from when the process is initiated by your employer. Initiated meaning just starting it out. Keep me posted, Vinay, if, if that does happen for you and how long it takes. Be really interested to know. Hey, on Prakash, um, if COS from H, change of status from H1B to H4 is approved and someone wants to move back to H1B, can we get the H1B visa stamped outside the U.S. based on previous H1B petition if validity is not over and petition is not revoked? Yeah, I think that would be possible. Um, and that probably would be the best way for you to go about that because that would update your I-94 as well. Um, but I would absolutely check with your employer's immigration attorney or their in-house counsel just to be sure before you leave the U.S. Um, if you're currently located in the U.S. Uh, Vinay is asking for kind of a continuation of his question on perm labor for I-140 and then further on to GC. Yeah, that 18 months that I was referring to is when you're at a point to where you're ready to file your I-140. Um, of course, I-140s can be upgraded to premium processing. If they're filed in regular processing, you're looking at roughly about six weeks for approval. Of course, premium, you know, 10 plus business days. Yep, assuming that your H-1B is already approved and started from August 1st. Yeah, that, that date holds true, that time frame, Vinay. What is the Texas Service Center approximate processing time? I haven't seen it recently. I haven't looked at it, but I do know it was incredibly long. It was like three years the last time I saw it. Um, and <laughs> there's been, uh, I've been quoted many times where I've said, if you want to know how immigrants feel about the Texas Service Center or the Vermont Service Center, uh, merely go on to Google Maps and look at their rating on Google. I think it will speak for itself. It's very low, extremely low. So yeah, roughly three plus years, I think is what I've seen most recently, but I could be wrong. I don't have that directly in front of me, uh, but I do know that this data is readily available. Hey, AJ, how are you? I have an old H-1B left, seven days and no perm and no on 140. What's the best? Um, you only have seven days remaining on your maximum stay. Uh, if I'm reading this correctly, the best thing that you could do here is you could do two things. Uh, one, um, you'd need to find an employer who'd be willing to submit uh, perm labor certification, right? Uh, sponsor your green card based on employment, right? And if you do that, 18 months, I-140 is approved, then you could have your H-1B extended. That may be an option for you. Another option, AJ, would be if you've been outside of the U.S. for more than 12 consecutive months, you could always consider um, going back into the H-1B lottery at some point, maybe next year, and if awarded, just starting over with a fresh H. Um, Gerard says, hello, sir, when will the second H-1B lottery be out? Yeah, uh, as I said, really anytime between now and this Friday, but if you're allowing me to hedge my bet a little bit, even though I've been on the record for the past four months, stating uh, between July 22nd and August 5th, I've, I've heard some rumors recently that it could be um, as late as uh, next Friday, but um, also earlier in the chat, there were some rumors that the, the second lottery may have already occurred, that some employers are being notified. I don't know, and I have not verified whether that is accurate or not, just merely a rumor from the chat. So you have five days left, no perm, no I-140, currently in Canada. Um, again, kind of going back to what I said, if I'm you and you're working in Canada and you're maybe on GTS, <laughs> you could almost have a, a, a permanent residency for Canada in the time that it would take you to wait out the, the 18 plus months or the time it would take you to find an employer willing to sponsor you and then that 18 plus months. 
Um, so my best advice to you would be if you've been outside of the U.S. and Canada for over 12 months, potentially consider going back into the H-1B uh, lottery. Otherwise, you got to go through the perm labor process and then extend your H-1B based on the approved I-140. Thanks, Argatu. Appreciate you joining me this afternoon. Tharun says, if there is a per if there is X person who got selected first lottery with Y sponsor, and if the same person is sponsored by another Z sponsor, the second entry with Z sponsor will again be considered in the second draw. No, it will not. Once you are selected, if you were not submitted, um, you don't go back into the pool. Vinay said, thanks for answering. Please keep me updated. Absolutely. Would love to, to hear how it goes. Um, and Ankit says, I have an I-140 approved in EB2, priority date uh, February 2017. I'm on a cap-exempt H-1B six plus years. Can I transfer to a company or do I have to go through the lottery and wait till October to start working? Yeah, so you can do two things here, Ankit. You can transfer to another cap-exempt employer. And they would need to go through that I-140 process for you, perm labor certification, I-140 approval process for you. Or <clears throat> you could go into the H-1B lottery next year, next March, March 2023. Um, but my concern is I don't know since you don't have time remaining if you would if that would work. This is where it gets a little complicated with exempt, non-exempt. I think you do have to have some time remaining um, for, for uh, your exempt status to be awarded in the, the non-exempt status. Um, so I don't think the lottery is a possibility for you. Um, as, of, as of what I'm understanding, of course, you know I would advise you Run this by your your uh, immigration attorney if you are considering this kind of move. Um, but I don't think that you can go into the lottery if you've already reached your maximum state, even if you have an approved I-140. But there may be a gray area there where if you are selected, it can be extended based on the previously approved I-140 um, and, and non-exempt. The other option that you have um, you know, you could leave the country for a year and then try to go into uh, the lottery and go non-exempt, but I probably wouldn't advise you to do that. My, my advice would be if you, if you are concerned about the future of your current role is to potentially look at finding another employer uh, who qualifies for this cap exempt, who'd be willing to sponsor your perm labor. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for your questions and all of you who have joined me here this afternoon. Um, really just appreciate uh, your continued support here and doing these live streams. Um, of course, I'll be monitoring the situation very closely. I expect all of you will let me know uh, if or when you have an update, if you hear something, if this rumor is true about the second lottery has already been held and um, individuals have been notified. I would love to hear that. I don't have confirmation on that. That's just merely a, a, a rumor. Um, JCP Ready, I'd love to hear about this lawsuit that showed some numbers. Um, I, I'm not, maybe it's something I'm not already aware of. I'd, I'd love to see that, that, uh, um, that information. So if you want to drop that article in the, the comments of the video once it posts out here to YouTube, um, that would be awesome if you could do that. Um, otherwise, you know, the next 48 hours are going to be very interesting here for, you know, 350,000 plus individuals uh, as to whether or not those 3% odds are, are like winning the, the billion dollar lottery that we recently just had here in the U.S. Um, but again, I cannot thank all of you for taking all of you enough for taking time out of your afternoon to join this live stream. Um, I just really appreciate your ongoing and continued support. Um, I hope that you find value in my opinion um, and my musings here around the H-1B visa and employment-based immigration benefits. Um, I did want to remind everyone that today's live stream was brought to you by Syndesis and Path to Canada. Uh, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain 
If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B and Synthesis and Path to Canada are your answers. They will gladly help you navigate the process. And if you want to find out if you qualify, please be sure to use the link in the video description below. Uh, and someone from Synthesis or Path to Canada will be in touch. I just want to thank my good friend, uh, Mark Pavlopoulos, again for his ongoing and continued support here. If you're looking to relocate to Canada, please check out the good folks at Synthesis and Path to Canada. And also by my good friend Carl Balsmeyer and his team at perm-ads.com. They are the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process. We've talked about that a good bit here today. Recruitment advertising is a huge part of the perm labor certification process. So if you want your employer uh, to reduce their costs and overhead associated with perm labor certification recruitment advertising, let the folks at perm-ads.com help you. And also by Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional facing U.S. work visa challenges? I know many of you here on this live stream are. Do not leave your fate up to a 3% chance. Our partner Mob Squad has a solution. They help technology professionals facing U.S. work visa uncertainty remain working with their current U.S. company nearshore from Canada, as well as technology professionals from around the world who are seeking an opportunity to find a rewarding career in North America. Through their partnership with the Canadian government, they can obtain a Canadian work permit for you and your spouse in as little as six to eight weeks. So whether you're looking to stay working with your current U.S. company or you want to find a new opportunity in Canada, again, do not leave your fate up to chance. Find out how the team at Mob Squad can help you, and that link is also in the video description below. Join the squad. Well, I know a lot of you uh, were very interested to see if I had any updates, and of course, I'm anxiously waiting. Um, I am curious to know if, if some of these rumors that were, uh, were shared earlier by, by Krishna are true or not, and if a second lottery has already happened. Um, but again, I still expect if it hasn't, uh, for it to take place sometime over the next 48 hours or so. Um, I just wanted to, again, thank all of you one last time. Uh, for those of you who have stuck with me this far during this live stream, uh, for those of you who have joined me over the last uh, 50 plus minutes or so, thank you very much uh, for your ongoing and continued support. Of course, I'll be putting out more content here over the next few days. Uh, so please check back here to the H1B Guy channel on YouTube. Um, you know, of course, the H1B Guy podcast, uh, as well as theh1bguy.com, um, where I house all of my blog posts and all the articles that are the scripts for the content that I put out. Uh, so if you've made it this far, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to watch my video um, and listen to my live stream here this afternoon. Uh, if you aren't following me on Twitter, please follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Um, I also have the H1B Guy channel on Telegram. Come join that community if you haven't already. So there are a handful of ways to uh, engage with me further on social media. Um, so please, all of those uh, links are also in the description below. Um, I'm Robert. I'm the H1B Guy. Your global source for all things H1B.